This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. It's week three of a message series that we've called, What's in Your Head? So over the last couple weeks, we've explored how God's plan is to transform your life, uh, but not by starting with your external circumstances, but by starting with the internal conversation that you are always having with yourself. And so our foundational scripture is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where the Apostle Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to know and to test, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we've talked the last couple weeks and today and next week as well about how it's, it's vital for us to engage in this battle in our mind because it's unrelenting. You have over 6,000 thoughts a day. Uh, it, the, the battle in your mind is often the loneliest battle, and it's also the most consistent battle that you face. But what Paul tells us is when we're transformed by Jesus, we move into our identity as the sons and daughters of God, and then we begin to engage in an ongoing process of having our minds renewed day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And so today what we're going to talk about is how it's important for us to turn up the volume of the Spirit in our mind and turn down all of the other things that would distract us or seek to destroy us. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but when I hear my favorite song or one of my favorite songs, my response is always to reach out and turn it up a little bit. So if it's in the car, I've never heard, and, and you might be the exception, but I have never once in 39 years heard somebody say, that's my favorite song, turn it down. It never happens, right? Everybody turns it up. Even if it's already a little bit loud, you typically will turn it a little bit louder. And if you don't like loud music, you turn it from soft to not quite as soft, right? Everybody makes that adjustment upwards. Why? Because we know I like that and I want to hear that. Now, now in other situations, you're going to turn the external noise down so that you can pay closer attention. So you've had this experience when you're driving through a new neighborhood looking for a friend's house. You're trying to find a street. When you're trying to concentrate in the car, what's one of the first things you do? You turn down the radio, right? You turn down the music because you're trying to focus, you're trying to lock in. We had a, a conversation in, in our house last night, and I was asking my wife and kids, if we're in a, in a room in somebody's house, our house, and there is something on TV that you want to hear, but it's loud in the room, what are you going to do? Um, and, and Angie initially said, well, if it's our house, I'm just telling everyone to be quiet, right? Because she is a, like, not a loud noises person. Um, for me, it's, I'm just going to turn it up. Like, I will just keep turning it up and keep turning it up until somebody finally asks me, why is it so loud? And then I have the opportunity to say, because you won't stop talking. Like, if you'll be quiet, I'll turn it down. But if you want to talk, like, we're going to crank this up. But when it's really important, we all agreed as a family, if there's something that's really vitally important, we're going to tell everyone to be quiet and we're going to turn it up. And this is what Paul is going to tell us this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. He's going to show us how to surrender our minds to the Spirit means that we are learning to constantly turn down the thoughts that lead to death and destruction, to isolation and temptation, and to turn up the thoughts that lead us to life. So if you have a Bible, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. This morning, Paul writes, Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's telling us your mind is going to go in one of two directions. You will go down a path of foolishness, or you will go down a path of the Lord's will. And so today what we'll talk about is when we minimize the wrong things and we learn to maximize the right things, it leads us on a path of life. And as we've talked about each week, in the battle of your mind, you don't have the option to sit out because the attacks of the enemy are unrelenting, and so you must be just as dedicated to keep moving forward. Now, I want to make sure we're on the same page, because when we talk about turn it down and and turn it up, there can be this idea that, well, eventually I'll get to the point in life where I don't even hear the attacks of the enemy anymore. But as we saw in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul tells us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's reminding us this is going to be a continual battle. It's never going to end. You are transformed, you're brought into your identity as the sons and the daughters of God, and in that identity as the sons and the daughters of God, the enemy is still determined to steal, kill, and destroy you. And because of that, he is going to launch attack after attack after attack. And often they will come from external circumstances, but even more often they will come from internal thoughts. And so Paul does not have an expectation that there's going to come a point in your life where you are no longer under the attack of the enemy. And so that means we have to adjust our our expectation this morning of if I'm going to surrender what's in my head to the Lord, it doesn't mean that I'm going to finally reach this point of perfection where I no longer have any struggles, I no longer have any battles. The enemy will relentlessly attack your mind. And so we, we all just have to get to that point of saying, okay, I don't like it. Right? You don't like that. And, and when we talk about turning down the voice, turning down the noise of the enemy and turning up the voice of the spirit, most of the time we, we wish it worked like a light switch, but it's more like a dial. Okay? So, so think of it this way. What, what I want to work is you have a light switch in your house, right? On and it's off. So when the enemy attacks, what I want is I want to be able just to flip that switch off and he goes away. And that, that would be ideal, that would be perfect, but we know from our own experience, that's not it. You might take that one thought captive, but here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. Something happens, here it comes again. Again and again and again, the enemy keeps coming, the enemy keeps attacking. So we want to kind of change the picture, and we want to think instead in terms of a dial. Now, how many of you are, are um, how do I say this? How many of you are uh, mature enough to have had a stereo with an actual dial on it. Okay, yeah, me too. So I, I am mature enough to have had one of those. Um, and, and so on that dial, you turn to the left to go down and you turn to the right to turn up. So what we wanna think of when it comes to our thought life is the enemy's going to come and he's going to attack. And he's going to attack you with thoughts that are foolish, thoughts that are divisive, thoughts that are destructive, thoughts that try to isolate you, thoughts that try to tempt you. And in that space, you face this, this internal angst at times of, I can't believe I'm still dealing with this. Why can't I just turn it off? The reason you can't turn it off is because the enemy is dedicated 
to destroying you. And he recognizes your identity as the son, as the daughter of God, and that motivates him even more to come after you. And so there is no off switch that we get to hit until we experience the future and final resurrection with Jesus, and evil is once and for all defeated. But from now until then, it's more of a dial. And so when the enemy attacks, we have to switch to this idea of, I've just got to turn that down. Now, this last week, I sat down with uh, a couple different groups of people. These are mature Christians, people who love Jesus, people who are full of the Holy Spirit, people that you and I respect and love and know well. And I asked them, in what ways does the enemy attack your mind? And so again, uh, you know, kind of trying to push past this idea that I will eventually mature past the attacks of the enemy. So here's what these people said. Again, people that I know love, Jesus followers, spirit-filled. Here's what they told us. They said, the enemy attacks and tells me you're inadequate. He says, you'll never get it done. Every unfinished project at work, every pile of laundry or dishes at home, every goal I didn't meet is weaponized against me. He tells me I'm a failure. He tells me I'll never be enough. He tells me everyone else knows it and they are even more disappointed in me than I am. The enemy tells me, you're imperfect. He says, if, if it's not perfect, if you're not perfect, then you're not enough. No one will ever like you or accept you. If you don't do your job perfectly all the time, you're a failure. If your kids aren't perfect, everyone judges you. If the project isn't perfect, don't celebrate any part of it. Just critique it and destroy it. The enemy attacks and says, you're afraid. He tells me it's all going to fall apart, that bad things I can't control will happen to me, to my spouse, to my kids. Fear leads to anxiety, to worry, to stress, to anger, to apathy. The enemy says you're unlikable. When people cancel plans, when they move, when they change jobs or don't serve with me anymore at church, or even if they don't come to one home group that I'm leading, the enemy says it's because they don't like me, because I'm defective that there are things in me that repel others from me, that I will never have long-term friendships, that I don't fit in, I don't belong, and I might as well give up. The enemy attacks and tells me, you're unqualified. He says you're not smart enough, educated enough, disciplined enough to do what God has called you to do. He tells me any new projects or efforts, any new investment of energy or resources will fail because I don't have what it takes to lead them. The enemy tells me, you've peaked. He says, you've already hit the high point of your life, your job, your marriage as a parent and your health and your finances. It's all downhill from here and not in the fun skiing kind of way. You'll never be as good as you once were. You'll never have the same levels of joy or impact. You're a has-been. You're washed up. Your best days are behind you. The enemy comes and he tells me, you're to blame. Your problems are your fault. You can't get pregnant because God knows you won't be a good mother. You're broke because you're dumb. You're in pain because you deserve it. You've been abused by others because you allowed it. The enemy comes and he tells me you're alone. He says no one sees you or cares about you. No one knows what you're going through. No one wants to help you with the load you're carrying. No one sees the hard work you put in. No one values the contributions you make. They only care if you get it done. They don't care about you. The enemy comes and he tells me you're lazy. Even if I take a well-deserved break or try to embrace the biblical practice of Sabbath, the enemy tells me I'm being lazy and that I don't matter if I'm not producing, that I need to move, I need to do, I need to work. 
Finally, the enemy tells me you're weak. When I'm tired, when I'm hurt, when I'm sick, the enemy tells me it's because I'm weak, that these things that bother me don't bother other people. He tells me to stuff it and don't share it because no one else will understand it. He tells me I'm the only one that suffers this way because everyone else is stronger than I am. And I don't know about you, but, but as I read through those things and as we had those conversations in person this week, what I found myself saying again and again was, I feel that. I've thought that. I've been there. And again, these are mature Spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, connected, in-community followers of Christ. And when you ask them what are the most relentless lies the enemy tells you, they say he tells me I'm inadequate, imperfect, afraid, unlikable, unqualified. I've peaked. I'm to blame. I'm alone. I'm lazy. And I'm weak. And so if that's what he does to them, why are we surprised when he does it to us? And, and so it's, it's this really subtle, deceptive trick of the enemy to come and say, well, because I'm never going to quit attacking you, you should just stop fighting against me. Instead, what Paul is telling us here is, no, 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 the enemy's going to attack, but you just need to learn to turn him down. And so he tells us, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So, so to be foolish would be to say, well, because the enemy attacks, I guess he wins. But what we want to do is understand, no, 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 when those thoughts come up, I can just turn them down. I don't have to ignore them. I don't have to hide from them. I don't have to pretend they don't happen, but I can say, yeah, yeah, I hear that. I know that's a recurring pattern I can go down. I know that can easily become a soundtrack of my life, that I'm alone, that I'm imperfect, that I'm inadequate, that nobody likes me, that nobody loves me. I can go down all of these roads, but instead, I'm just going to choose to turn it down. And I'm going to understand that the attacks of the enemy will not become the soundtracks of my life. What Paul is telling us is, look, don't be foolish. Don't give in to this lie that somehow you're going to mature past the point of the attacks of the enemy. It didn't happen for Jesus. It didn't happen for any of the church leaders. It hasn't happened for any believer that you know or will ever know. We all face ongoing attacks of the enemy. And so what we have to learn is when he attacks to identify it and to minimize it. Stop blowing it out of proportion. Stop freaking out of, I can't believe these thoughts keep coming. Just understand, they keep coming because the enemy wants to destroy you. And when you have that in mind, then you're able to say, okay, I can just turn that down. You, you have seen this in practice. Any of you, has anyone ever been in a room with a toddler that wants something? Yeah? Yeah, so, so maybe, you know, maybe, you're, maybe you're there as parents and, and you're trying to have a conversation or you're trying to accomplish something and one of your toddlers comes in the room and whatever they need is the most important thing in the entire world. Right? It, it could be something as subtle as, as they lost a toy, as they hurt something, as they, you know, they, they want something or they just think it's time to go to McDonald's. Whatever it might be, but when they come in, they announce their presence and they announce their needs with authority. And they do it loudly and they do it on repeat over and over and over because they know they can wear you down, right? And the most disciplined parent in the world, you know there are times that you have given in just to make them shut up. 
I was like, that's fine. We, you know, we were trying to decide if we can afford to buy this new house or not. But yes, I will give all of my time and all my attention to finding your one shoe just to stop the meltdown. And, it, and what happens in that space? We begin to adopt this idea that the loudest is the most important and the most powerful. And we believe that same lie in our mind that just because the enemy comes and he's loud and he's repetitive, we tend to think that means he's more powerful than the, play, the voice of the spirit inside of us. But all it really means is he's loud. You've been in meetings, you've been in projects at school where you've had the same experience. The loudest person in the room is rarely the smartest person in the room, Right? <laughs> They're rarely, the, and if some of you are like, I'm always the loudest person in the room. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, you know, like there's a reason Proverbs says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. Like if you just sit there quietly, you look smarter. You might talk and prove it's wrong later, but, but at least initially you can have a little streak of like, man, that guy's smart. Nope, he's just quiet. But we've been in that moment, right, where, where somebody is just, there's a project, there's a problem, and they come in, and they're turned up to 11, and they're telling everyone to do, and everyone is recognizing this man, this woman, this kid, they have no idea what they're talking about. And so usually what happens in, a, in kind of a, a corporate meeting section or, or scenarios, you wait till they leave the room, and then you're like, okay, now that they're gone, let's actually solve the problem. Right Now that the noise has left, let's deal with the real issues. And the same thing happens in our mind. The enemy comes and he's loud and he's relentless, but we have to shift our view of him. He is not an undefeatable enemy coming at us with more power than we have. He is the already whipped, already beaten down, mouthy little kid just standing in the corner thinking if he's big enough and loud enough, he can distract you from what God has for you to do. So when this comes in your head, the response is, I'm, I mean, literally, the, for the past uh, couple months, I've come across this idea. I've put this practice into place of in the morning when I wake up and I start to think of all of the things I have to do and all of the unforeseen situations that might come up, there's an opportunity to go down a path of worry, stress, and anxiety or to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to physically turn that down. And, and, and so you've just got to picture yourself of, I see that thought, I hear that thought, I know where that goes, I recognize that soundtrack, and I'm just going to turn it down. And as I turn it down, I'm also going to choose to turn up the voice of the Spirit. And Paul gives us some very specific instructions of what we turn up and the effect it has on our lives. So he says in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like to turn up the volume of the Spirit in your mind. So the first thing Paul says is you're going to turn up the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And so as we talked about last week, Paul tells us in Romans that the Holy Spirit is the governor of our mind. And when he governs, he governs in ways that lead us to life and peace. So if I'm trying to turn down the noise of the enemy and turn up the truth of the Spirit, then before I'm even asking the Spirit to bring things to mind or to bring truth to the front of my mind, I'm asking him to bring all of his authority into my life. And so to turn up the Spirit is to say, Holy Spirit, will you come? 
I surrender to your authority. I surrender to your governing power. I need your life. I need your spirit. For some of us, the reason we struggle so much in our mind is we've been transformed by the work of Christ, but we're trying to renew our minds through our own discipline and effort. And your discipline and effort is good, and it can get you a little bit of progress. But when the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead comes and dwells in you, he brings life to your mortal body. He brings life to your mind. And so to turn up the truth is to turn up your experience and your connection with the Holy Spirit. I've told you for the last couple of weeks, this is, is so much more than the power of positive thinking. It's so much more than stand in front of your mirror with five positive affirmations to start your day. It's more than goal setting. It's more than vision casting. It's asking the Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. Come saturate every thought. Come take captive everyone that does not belong and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Come and do through me and for me what I could never do for myself. When you turn up the Spirit, what you're turning up is your surrender to the Spirit, you're turning up your dependence on the Spirit, and what you will find is you experience His power in an incredibly real and, and transformational way. And Paul tells us as you, as you are filled with the Spirit, it's going to have a, a, natural, a natural output. He says you're going to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now that, that, that is a, uh, it, it hits us, I think, in two ways. So some of us were like, uh, sing to each other? Like a musical? Like I'm just going to walk up and be like, I'm not going to do it because I wasn't in musicals, right? But some of you, you're like, that, that sounds awesome. You, since you were a 12-year-old girl watching High School Musical, you have been waiting for somebody to break out in song, right? And you hope he looks like Zac Efron. But none of it's ever going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We don't live that way. We don't work that way. But I, I love, I, and I, for a while, this one, it was always one of those that like, I kind of held back from, of like, I'm not going to walk around singing. Like, I, I just, I can't do that. I, I managed to go through four years of high school choir without ever singing out loud. I'm not going to stop now, you know? <laughs> got an A until my teacher figured it out second semester, and I got a B in choir. How do you get a B in choir? By not singing. That's how. That's how. So, so there's this thought, but, but Paul doesn't. He says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So, so what is he telling us? What, he's saying, when you are filled with the Spirit, it will overflow out of you. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the connection between our thoughts and our words and how they create a cycle of reinforcement in our life. But Paul's laying it out for us right here. He says, when you are filled with the Spirit, He's not just going to fill you. He's going to overflow out of you. And you are going to begin to speak to each other. And what are you going to speak? He says, well, first you're going to speak the scriptures. This is what the Psalms are. We're going to speak the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. We're going to speak hymns. We're going to speak the creeds of the church, the beliefs of the church. We're going to remind each other Jesus sees you and knows you and loves you and has a plan for you. We're going to sing songs from the Spirit. What's that mean? It means whatever the Spirit inspires in that moment, I'm going to speak it to you and you're going to speak it to me. Paul is assuming that we are living in a community where we are all surrendered to the Spirit. 
Because I need to be filled with the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Spirit, and as we're filled with the Spirit, I'm going to speak to you, and you're going to speak to me, and it is going to come and not just turn down the volume on the enemy, but crank up the volume on the Spirit. And what we often find is as we engage in communities of the Spirit, the Spirit begins to launch preemptive strikes against the attacks of the enemy. Last, uh, last Sunday afternoon, Angie and I were at it. We were actually at Scott and Tamara Beasler's son's wedding. So Caden was getting married, and uh, the, the Beasler's, they've got two boys and a little girl. Angie and I have two boys and a little girl. And theirs are all in college or married and out of college now, and ours are all still at home. And I was talking to Tamara, and it was literally about a 60-second conversation. And somehow the topic came up of, you know, before too long, I'm going to have three kids in college. And, and Tamara, in that moment, just said, you know, I've heard you say that a lot before, and I just want to tell you, God's going to provide and then she real quickly told me the story of how God provided for their family. And it was, it was a moment where I just kind of sat there and thought, you know, I wasn't, like I panic about that a lot. But in this moment, I wasn't actually thinking about it. I wasn't worried about it. But it was a preemptive strike of the, uh, against the enemy to tell me God will provide. Right? What is that? Those are songs from the Spirit. These are the recurring themes. It, it happened this morning. Uh, Clifton Talbert was in here, and, and he came in a little early while the band was rehearsing. I was sitting across the room. I thought, I'm going to go sit by Clifton. I just sat by him. I said hi, and he started to tell me about what God was doing in his life, and he started to tell me about doors that God was opening. And what was it? It was songs of the Spirit affirming and declaring the power, the presence, the majesty of Jesus. And in that space, my faith was being built up as they just shared what God had already done in their life. You see, when God begins to transform your mind, it will come out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, it will be part of the process he uses to transform the mind of someone else. And so we, we have to understand that, hey, I, it's not enough for me to just pray, fill me, Holy Spirit. I've got to start praying, overflow out of me, Holy Spirit. I've got to start. So when the Spirit says, hey, look at that person across the room, go talk to them. Your job is to go talk to them. When you think of someone during the course of your day, you don't naturally think of positive spiritual things for other people. That's the Spirit speaking to you. That is not the work of your flesh. So when it comes up, shoot the text, make the call, send the email, walk across the office, sit next to the kid in the classroom, be part of speaking psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit to others. Join in turning the volume up in your office, in your home, in your classroom. Because the enemy's relentless. But the spirit is more relentless. And the spirit is more powerful. And if we will have ears to hear and mouths to speak, our minds will be transformed not just by the internal work of the spirit, but by the external work of the community of God. It is the most beautiful experience that we can have in life because it's a constant reminder I'm not alone. God sees me. Not only does he know me and love me, he knows me and loves me enough to speak to others to speak to me. And then Paul tells us that the last thing we're going to do, the way we're going to turn up, is we're going to be filled with gratitude. And, in, and you might think you're the most grateful person in the world, and you very well might be. You might write thank you cards every day. Right? And they just, as naturally as breathing, you express your thanks and appreciation to others. And yet most of us, if we have 10 experiences with people in a day, and in nine experiences, they're telling you, man, you are awesome. You're the best person I've ever met. 
You're the best at your job. You're the, the most empathetic. You are so skilled in this area. And then you have one negative experience where somebody tells you, you know, I, I just, I don't know why you're even wasting space on this earth right now. Like you are, a, and sometimes they don't even have to say it. Sometimes it's a look somebody gives you as they cut you off on the road. Sometimes it's just, it's the eye roll of a cashier at a store. And sometimes it's just these, these little things where we just take and we, at the end of the day, what do we latch on to and what do we talk about? Is it the nine positives, you're awesome, I love you, I'm so glad I brought you into my life, or is it the one? It's always the one, right? And, and we go home and we're telling our spouse, we're telling our kids, you won't believe this idiot. Somebody honked at me today. Why would they honk at me? Right? It was probably me honking at you to let you know you're not a very good driver. Right? Like, I feel like that's one of my spiritual gifts. Angie tells me it's not, but I'm, I'm trying to exercise it as much as I can. Like, hey, if I don't honk, they don't know. So, you know, it, you just don't know. But, but it just latches on and it, it worms its way down in and it's the one you stew on. How do you defeat that? You have to turn down the volume on those negative experiences and you have to turn up the volume on gratitude. Every day you live, you have a mountain of reasons to be thankful to the Lord, right? Especially for us in our context. I was, I was talking to a buddy this week, and you know, is that classic? Like, every parent thinks their upbringing was harder than their child is currently experiencing. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, like, and, and I, would, I would acknowledge it. Like, my grandpa had a harder upbringing than my dad. My dad had a harder upbringing than I do. I had a harder upbringing than my kids. That's all fine. That's all good. It's, it's totally acceptable. And, and what my buddy was trying to express and what we try to figure out is how do we help our kids understand you are living better than the kings of old ever experienced? Like David in all of his riches never had air conditioning or Netflix. He never had a car or rode on an airplane. He never had all of these things that we have. I mean, every day, not just that we're living and breathing, but where we're living and breathing and the opportunities we have and the fact that we have relationships, that we're in community together. There are always negative things, but what is Paul telling us? He's saying, turn down that volume and crank up the volume of your gratitude. So maybe you need to start a gratitude journal. Maybe you need to start expressing. One of the things we did when our kids were really, really little is we made this, uh, so, so we had, I've told you this story before, but um, we had an experience. They were probably like seven, five, and four. And we had had a, a Saturday full of family fun where Angie and I, I mean, we say no a lot as parents, but that day we didn't say no to much. We went and did some fun stuff. We went and took them to some different places. We went out to eat multiple times in the same day. Right? It, was, it was like Disneyland in Tulsa for a kid. It couldn't have got any better. And about five o'clock that night, uh, we had got back from dinner. It, you know, they were little, so we were eating early. Uh, we had got back from dinner, and they wanted to go see a movie. And we had the audacity to tell them no. And when we told them no, it was a three-alarm meltdown. Every single one of them. And what were they saying? We never get to do anything fun. You always say no to everything we want to do. All of my friends have already seen this movie. I'm not, I wish grandma was here, right? They're just, they're launching out everything at us. And we had a very holy and righteous response of you ungrateful little brats. 
And we showed them everything they had done that day and we told them how much it all cost. And I told them, I dream of driving a nice truck, but I can't because of you three. You take all my money, all of the time. I can't do it. And so we decided that night, we're gonna fix this. And so for, from that night on, I mean, on till today, when they go to bed at night, we're saying, hey, you, tell me one thing you're thankful for. What is one good thing that happened today? What is one way that God spoke to you? What is one way you experienced his grace? What is one way that you experienced his goodness? And, and what are we trying to do? We're just trying to turn the tide on that negativity. We're trying to say, yeah, there's every single day, there's stuff I don't get to do. There's stuff you don't get to do. Every single day, there are things that happen to us that we don't like. But in that moment, we have a choice of I can magnify the things I didn't, or I can magnify the things God did. And as I turn up gratitude, it does transform my mind. Levi Lusco wrote a book called I Declare War. It talks about winning the war in your mind. And, and he says this, he says, filling your heart with truth causes it to be inhospitable to terror. When it is soaked in praise and steeped in scripture, the enemy cannot gain traction. The living water and the oil of God's Holy Spirit will cause the enemy's weapons to glance right off. See, when we turn up the volume on the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done, it creates profound life change. You will never be able to finally mute the voice of the enemy, but you can consistently turn him down and turn the spirit up. So I want to leave you real quick with five quick ways you can turn up the truth in your life. The first is scripture. So Jesus tells us, he tells the disciples, hey, when you're brought before the authorities, don't worry about what you are going to say. At that time, God will give you what to say. Many of us have had this experience in life of when the enemy attacks with negative thoughts, the truth of the scriptures is brought to our mind by the Holy Spirit. In that space, we're gonna turn it up. Here's the thing though, for the Holy Spirit to be able to turn up the scriptures in your life, the scriptures have to be part of your life. You can't turn up nothing. If the only time you hear the scriptures read is when I do it on a Sunday morning, that's not enough. Just 15 to 20 minutes every single day, you'll read through the entire Bible every year. And I promise we all have 15 to 20 minutes. And if you don't like to read, download an app and start listening to it. But what happens is as the scripture is read or as it's heard, it finds its way into our hearts and it finds its way there so that it can be brought back by the spirit in the moments that we need to hear it. But you've got to give them something to work with. The second thing, way you can turn up the voice of the spirit is through prayer. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. It's this idea of you want to turn your conversation with God into the most frequent conversation in your mind. Currently, the most frequent conversation for most of us is the conversation we have with ourselves. And the enemy loves to worm his way into those conversations. But when I shift, it's harder for those conversations to be negative and destructive when they're conversations with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. Because as I'm talking with him, as I'm engaging in this ongoing conversation, he is bringing his government of life and peace. We're also going to engage in community. For me, this past week, the reason the Spirit was able to speak through, through Clifton, through Tamara, through the others that I met with, is because I know them, and they know me. 
This is why we're constantly saying, get in a home group, get in a home group, get in a home group. If you've got teenagers, get them in chapel youth. If you've got kids, get them in chapel kids. Be in places where community is formed. And those kind of relations, relationships take an intentional investment of your time and your effort. If you want to reap the harvest of it, you've got to put in the work of sowing the relational seed. So you're just going to keep showing up. You're going to keep extending invitations over and over and over again. And you're also not just going to sit back and wait for everyone to do it for you. You're going to look for opportunities to create community for others as well. We also, if we want to turn up the volume of the Spirit, we want to turn up our experience of spiritual gifts. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What was happening when Clifton and Tamara were speaking to me? Those were words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy. They might have thought they were just sharing a story of what happened, but what they were doing was using their voice to magnify the voice of the Holy Spirit in my soul. And so what that means is we all have a responsibility not just to pray, Lord, send someone to me. Send someone to encourage me. Send someone to challenge me. Send someone to let, you, let me know you're thinking of me. But also praying, Lord, send me to someone else. Like I'm, I'm open to being used by the Holy Spirit. I'm open. And, and when it happens, it doesn't have to be a, hey, brother, sister, thus saith the Lord. That, that's not it. It can just be, hey, look, I thought of you today. And when I thought of you, I think this is what God told me. And you can do with that whatever you want, but I just want to be obedient and let you know. And and in my experience, no one has ever looked at me and said, how dare you, sir, think of me? How dare you encourage me? How dare you tell me God loves me? How dare you say, I don't know what you're going through, but I feel like Jesus wants you to know he's with you in it. Nobody's ever been offended by that. And so what it means for us is I'm just not saying, Holy Spirit, turn up the volume in me. I'm saying turn up the volume through me. Make my mouth part of your resounding volume in the world. And, and then the last way I do think, you know, Paul tells us psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. And clearly he has music in mind. And so for, for some of us, it's, it is just a very simple, I, you know, we listen to a lot of things. You listen to the radio, you listen to podcasts, you listen to all kinds of music. But if you're really struggling in your mind, you need to turn up the volume on music that declares the truth, the power, and the presence of Jesus Christ. You need to turn up the volume on music that invites the reality of the Holy Spirit to walk with you in every moment of every day. And so maybe you change the playlist for your commute, for your workout, for your quiet time, whatever it is. But as you do that, the truth of those words, when they're in music, you know what it's like. They resound in your heart. They come out of your mouth in places and times that you don't expect. It's it's why singing together is such an important part of what we do, because the truth resonates through music. So Paul tells us, make, you know, speak to one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And what will happen is as we speak those to each other, we will begin to sing those together. We'll begin to sing those when we're on our own. And as they're coming out of our mouth, they are, they're creating new soundtracks, new trails in our heart, in our mind for the Spirit to work through. So when you engage in this process, what happens? Well, let's go back to that list that we had earlier. So when you engage in the process of turning it down, the, the, the enemy comes and he tells you, you're inadequate. And you can hear that and you can say, yeah, but I'm just going to have to go ahead and turn that down. 
There might be some elements of truth to it. There might be some spaces where I'm overmatched, but in every way I lack, I'm going to turn up the reality that Jesus is sufficient. The enemy comes and he tells you, you're imperfect. It's like, yes, I am. Anything else? Like, there couldn't be a truer statement. But instead of me turning that up and thinking, of course I'm imperfect, I'm going to turn it down and remember, but Jesus was made perfect for me. And nobody, there's actually, so if, if you struggle with this, just let me help you out. No one else thinks you're perfect. None of us. We don't think your kids are perfect. We don't think your work is perfect. We don't think your grades are perfect. We don't think your personality is perfect. We don't think your looks are perfect. We don't think your home is perfect. We don't think anything about you is perfect. And we still love you. Right? And Jesus still has a plan for you. So you're just going to turn down the volume on those false expectations and you're going to remember, yeah, that's why Jesus came. Because I'm not perfect, the enemy comes and he says, you're afraid and you're going to turn that down. You're going to turn up. That might be true, but perfect love drives out fear. So Jesus is going to show up and he's going to take my fear and shove it in the trunk and drive it in the country and I'm never going to see it again. I'm going to turn it down. You might think I'm unlikable. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. And you're just going to turn that down and remember, God sent his son to die for me. He created a whole community for me to belong. So I'm not going to let one little thing here or there keep me from pursuing the path that God has for me. You think I'm, I'm unqualified. And again, there's elements of truth to it. Of, well, of course you are. I hope God continues to call me to do things that I'm not qualified to do. Because what does Paul tell us? In my weakness, his power will be made perfect. That it's in the spaces that I'm taking beyond my education, that I'm taking beyond my experience, that I know the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through me. And it's only when I'm unqualified that Jesus receives all of the glory he deserves for every achievement that he, that he brings through my life. So, okay, fine, let's turn it down and we'll turn up the provision and the power of Jesus. He comes and he tells me, you've peaked. Your best days are behind you. Now, again, there might be some truth to that. I'm never going to dunk a basketball again. As sad as it makes me to say it, unless I lower that goal to nine and a half feet, it's just not happening. But that's okay. Because I know no matter what is in my past, God has numbered all the days of my future. And I know it might not be the same as it used to be, but I, if I'm walking with him and experiencing the power of his Holy Spirit, he has a purpose and a plan for it. So I'm going to turn down the volume on the enemy that says you only matter if people notice you. You only matter if you get the biggest achievements. And I'm going to crank up the volume on the one who says, I know every single one of your days. I've ordered them and I have a plan for all of them. He comes to me and he says, you're to blame. And I'm going to remember, no, no, no. I am a child of God. I am made in the image of God and I might suffer as a result of my sin. I might suffer as a result of the sins of others, but there is nothing in me that is so broken, Jesus can't restore it. So I'm gonna turn up the restoration of Christ and I'm gonna turn down those lies that say, I deserve this or I've earned this. He comes to tell me I'm alone. I'm gonna remember, no, I'm, I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm being built together with my brothers and sisters. I have a job to do and they need me. They expect me to do it. So I'm going to keep showing up. He tells me, you're lazy. You can't take a rest. You can't take a break. And I'm going to remember, no, no, no. It, it doesn't take a trophy to earn his love. 
I, I didn't earn it, so I can't lose it. And when he tells me to rest, I'm just going to rest. And I'm going to rest in his goodness, and I'm going to rest in his grace, and I'm going to know that even in the moments where I'm not producing, God is present, and God loves me and approves of my rest. And then when he comes and he says, you're weak. Again, I'm going to remember that might be true. But his power will always be made perfect in my weakness. And so what do we do? In, in each one of these, we turn down the lie. We don't ignore it or run from it. We acknowledge the reality of it. But then we say, I know that, but I'm going to turn that down. And then in this exact area, I'm going to turn up the voice of truth. And he's going to speak to me. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray for you this morning. We you bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me? If you're in a spot today where you need the voice of the Holy Spirit to be turned up in your mind, will you raise your hand where you are? I want to, my hand's up with you. I want to pray with you. Lord, we come today and you see our need for the voice of your Spirit to be cranked up louder and louder in our hearts and minds. Lord, in this moment, I pray against every lie of the enemy, every deception, every distraction, every destructive thought that he comes to plant, every harmful soundtrack that he's trying to play. In all of these spaces, Lord, we pray that you would give us the power of your spirit to turn down the lies of the enemy and to turn up the truth. Will you come today? Holy Spirit, we invite you not just into this room, but into our minds. And will you not just turn down those lies, but will you turn up your truth? Will you remind us that we are seen, we are known, and we are loved by you? Will you remind us that there is nothing we are facing that you don't already have a plan for? Will you remind us there is nothing in our past that can keep us from your future? Jesus, will you send the power of your Holy Spirit and give us the ability to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit? Will you make us a community of encouragement, a community of truth, a community where the voice of the Spirit is always the loudest and most consistent voice we hear? Jesus, we come today to invite your Spirit to work in us and to move in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.